Welcome to the season finale. Season 2, episode 28 of The Great Sources. Today's share is called How to Do Geula. So we're at the end of the season. We're at the end of this great project and adventure of learning about Eretz Yisrael. And I am happy and sad. I'm happy to be completing this amazing project. And I'm sad to be completing it because the involvement and the engagement in preparing the Shurim is so um, dear to me and has been so enriching. I take comfort in the fact that I'm still in the middle of writing the Safer, which if you've been listening to all the Shurim, you basically know it's in the Safer, although there are some Chedushim there, certainly, that haven't been dealt with in the Shurim, and perhaps more things will be added. That happens to be at this point up to maybe two-thirds to three-quarters of the way done, if you're wondering. So I'm still involved in learning and developing and thinking about these inyanim. And of course, I'm also available to all the listeners who, who reach out to me with comments, criticism, ha'aris. So that's an ongoing thing. And I thank those of you who have interacted and, and discussed things with me. And of course, that aids also in developing the ideas. And even now that we're done this, finishing this audio series, like I said, there's still work to be done on the on the book. So any input can still be valuable, not just for me personally, but also for the Tzibor, who's a mitzvah, I'm going to get the safer when it's ready. So again, I invite any of you who have questions or haaris or in general just want to comment one way or the other, please get in touch with me. The email is there in the description of the shir. And, of course, while we're leaving the study of Eretz Yisrael, in a way, we're not leaving the concept of Eretz Yisrael. Now we're on to the Lemaisa, which, of course, means really Lemaisa, moving to Eretz Yisrael. And for me personally, I want to just go on record as saying that Blineda, I will move there when it's appropriate for me, given my particular circumstances, when it's the right time, the right situation. I will Blineda move there. And secondly, <clears throat> in terms of Lemaisa, now is when we can get more serious. Well, me personally, I tend to get more serious about affecting and actualizing the ideals that we've been discussing in the last sixth and now seventh shear, discussing what Eretz is all about. And as I keep on mentioning, these ideas are not limited to a particular piece of land, but that's where they will be most fully realized. And in fact, as we mentioned, the Kedusha of Eretz will spread to the whole world eventually. And our activities, even when we're not in Eretz serve to purify, to be metahir, the ear of Eretz Amim, which means that the ideals, the idea of Eretz Yisrael, that we, whatever, to whatever extent we can access it and perfect it, even in lands of Golas, we are supposed to do so. And that will enable, or that will develop the, the ability, the possibility of eventually the whole world getting Kedusha's Eretz Yisrael. So what we have to do is we have to take these ideas that we've been discussing in the now the seventh year, and we have to do them in Chutz Lawrence. If you unfortunately not say to be in Eretz Yisrael, do these things in Chutz Lawrence. And what's going to happen is that's going to make you want to do them in the fullest way in Eretz Yisrael, and it will only increase your cheshek for living in Eretz Yisrael. Now that we're completing the series. Um, I and my Talmud and close friend, Mikey Stone, with whom I, I learned this sugya for a year or 
close to two years in a way, we're planning to make a siyam. So this mitzvah to be Messiah, this limud and and the series, the those who have participated in listening to the series and getting involved in various ways are all invited. The details and anyone who's involved in furthering and advancing this great project will be invited to the CM. The details have still to be are yet to be determined, and I will be. I will let you know as soon as we have those plans. Um, <clears throat> this is going to be, as I mentioned, this is the 28th and final shear <coughs> of season two, dedicated to the question of living in Israel. And now we have to start talking about season three. So I haven't yet decided for certain what that's going to be about. So I don't want to tell you what I'm thinking because I haven't, I'm not decided yet on that. One thing is certain is that there's going to be something of a break between now and season three. At least, of course, you have Yom Kippur, Sukkot coming, <clears throat> but I won't even begin immediately after Sukkot. I need some time to give myself a break and to prepare. So that's that for season three. Okay, now let's review what we spoke about last week and talk about it a little more, and then let's get on to one more Nakuda in um, in how we can access, how we can attain the level of the Kedusha Vajrasa. Last week we spoke about seeing the panemius, seeing the inner essence of things. That means anything that presents itself to you, anything, anything in the world that presents itself to your eyes, whenever that happens, you have an opportunity to not just take it at face value, but rather to think, why is there this thing? What does it represent? What's its past? How did it get here? What makes it exist? What are the principles of its existence? And what you're doing then is you're, in a certain sense, you're seeing to its pnim. You're getting to its root. And that's how you reach the godliness of everything. Because instead of taking it as its surface, at its surface meaning or how it presents on a surface level, you insist on understanding its depth, understanding the will of whatever thing it is. Why is there such a thing? Why is there a rutz in Hashem for this thing? So that's seeing to the depths of something and seeing to its pnim. So every time you see something, that you have that opportunity to say, what's the godliness? Where's the pnim? And, and, that, and that means simply thinking about it in a teleological way. What's its purpose? Why is it here? And then abstracting that to a principle. What does it represent? What Ratzin of Hashem does it represent? And when you do that, you're seeing things. Instead of seeing them with with your human eyes, let's say, you're seeing it in a godly way. You're seeing it in an abstract way. You're seeing it the way God would see it. And you're seeing, in a certain sense, God. That's what we spoke about. Looking at the tzitzis, Ruizem Oisai, tzitzis tells you that the that there's something behind the Begid, something behind the is behind the surface. And Ruisam Oisai is how you see Oisai Hashem. We spoke about it, and I don't want to review this too much. Of course, you can listen to that share. How Tchiyas HaMesim depends on this. In two ways. Firstly, because the Aretz conceals the people that are under it. And when we remember that there's something behind, beneath the surface, that leads to Tchiyas HaMesim, that the Aretz has, is covering people, but there are people there waiting to come back out. And therefore that connects to the question of Raglam, which is, given that Avram Avinu didn't complete his mission, his, his Lech Lecha mission ended in, in failure, because instead of get, get, actually getting Eretz Yisrael, he instead acquired only a burial plot. So the question is what to make of Chevron, what to make of the burial of Sarah. Is that a dead end? Or is it just a station on the on the path of Klaisrol, who are still looking to attain the Arts Asharaka? So that of course hinges on Tris Mason. What to make of the fact that there's an Aretz and there's offer that covers the dead? Say if the Aretz is, is a Lavush behind which lies some something great i.e. the dead people waiting to come out, then Sarah's burial doesn't indicate 
that Avram's project has comes ends in a dead end. It's just a part of the process. It's death and then life again. That's one element. And the other element is that the human body, which has its association with evil, because going back to Beratius, man doesn't have just toiv, he has ratu. So therefore there has to be death. But the idea of seeing to the pnim is that everything in its pnimius, in its inner being, is good and, and chai, as toiv and chaim. That means even though there's external levels that can deviate from the Ratzon Hashem, but the pnim of everything, the pnim of everything doesn't get changed. The pnim of everything is the Ratzon Hashem. So what that means is like this. That means is that the, the inner nikuda of things is eternal. What do I mean to say by that? Um, let's say you say it like this. Here's, here's, let me say what I'm getting at, then I'll explain. The Rambam says in the Pirusha Mishnayis that Tchiyas HaMesim is based on the fact that Tzadikim B'Misosim Kriyim Chayim and Rishayim don't have Tchiyas HaMesim because Rishayim Afilu B'Chayim Kriyim Mesim. And here's what that means. Here's what that means. The inner essence of a person is... What's the inner essence of a person? So, well, we have to say the Ratz Nashem for the person's existence, right? And it says in Beratius that God created man and he saw that he was Taiv Ma'id. And as I've been telling you, it's very, very important to understand why is it Taiv? Why is man Taiv? What about man is Taiv? This is something we have to think about. What does Hashem consider to be Taiv? But this consideration that man is Taiv, the fact that man considers Taiv, that's why there's man and that's what man is all about. Everything else is a lavosh, a surface level. Is a dress, is how you dress up this toiv ma'id that man is. Okay? So, the essence of man is toiv ma'id. Now, the question of tzaddik and rasha, the question of good and evil, is whether the surface man is going to comport with the essence of man, with the pnim of man. Meaning, Hashem has a rotsen that he's toiv ma'id, and that's why there's a man. And the question is, what do you do with that? What do you do with the fact that there's a rutzen that you're talking about? Do you live up to it? Or do you deviate from it? So tzaddikim b'misosam kuyim chayim means that the one who lived up to his pnim, the one who, who lived according in accordance with what his essence is, always retains a connection to that essence. So that's getting back to Tchiyas HaBesim. And that's what my, my point was, that if you look at something's pnim, then you see that the body, which comes and goes, is lavosh. And that's not what the person is. The person is his essence. And his essence is chai. His essence is eternal. His essence is eternal because God's will is eternal. The will that there should be man who's toiv moed is eternal. The, the dress of the particular body is what's ephemeral, is what's temp, uh, temporal and, 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 and doesn't last forever. So once you see the pnim, that's when you have access and that's the... The, the idea behind Tchiyas HaMesim, that, that there's an internal essence which is eternal and therefore it once had a body and will once again have a body because it didn't go anywhere. That eternal will didn't go anywhere. Okay? So, that's the idea of seeing the Pnim of something, understanding that things are high, even something that's dead is high. Meaning, Okay, you have a person. You say, what does the person represent? They have a tzaddik. Let's say, seriously, a tzaddik. What does he represent? What is he? Is he his body? No, of course not. He's, he's, he's something much deeper than that. He's something that... that um, he's something that gives expression to eternal ritzainus of Hashem, to eternal ideas. And in that sense, he's eternal. He's chai. And then you have to see past the surface to recognize his chayim. And once you see past the surface, you'll recognize that that chayim, of course, doesn't end with what we call death. And therefore, that's the basis for Tchiyas HaMesim. Now, so someone asked, like I was talking about last week, that you have to see past the surface. You have to see through the Pnim of things. And Tzitzis tells you, don't look at the surface, look at the Pnim. And, you know, people get impressed when something looks nice, something's pretty, aesthetically pleasing. And I was suggesting last week that really we have to see past that and see to the pnim. So someone asked, well, does that mean that chitzainius, the way things look, has no place in religion, in Judaism? Um, 
Is there no place for that? And the answer is no, there certainly is a place for that. And here's how. Here's how. When you know what the pnim of something is, when you focus on what the internal meaning of something is, then you can go back to the chitzainius, to the surface, to the superficial, superficiality of whatever the thing is that you're analyzing, and you can understand how the surface represents and matches the inner essence and serves as a symbol, let's call it, as a symbol for an inner essence. But it's very important to first, first you have to ignore the chitzainius. First you have to ignore the externalities and then convert the meaning of whatever presents itself to your eyes, convert it to its inner meaning. Once you worked on that, once you know what the inner meaning of things are, then you can go back and say, oh, so I know what the inner meaning of a person is. I know what the inner meaning of an animal is. I know what the inner meaning of a tree is. I know what the inner meaning of anything is. Even in most detail, I spoke about lips last week for some reason. I know what the inner meaning of lips are. And now you can go back and say, okay, well, look, there's lips and they represent something because they represent this thing you have to eat and eating is, is, is life. So therefore, when you look at lips, you can think life. You can think God wants Chaim. And you know something about Hashem. You're seeing something about Hashem instead of something about you. But once you know that, then you can go back to the surface, go back to the externalities and say, ah, this thing is a symbol for a pnim. So in other words, I work out well, very well, my sense of the pnim, of what the inner meaning, what the inner thing is, what it really is truly in terms of God's will. I know what it is. And then I can go back to the surface thing and say, ah, now, 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 now I have an idea of what to work with, right? I have a certain inner sense of an inner meaning, okay? Life and food, which is, let's talk, let's talk, going back to the mouth. So there's life and food, meaning there's a principle of life and, and there's a principle that thinks something has to be sustained and it doesn't last by itself and it's sustained by consuming. Just to give you some sort of idea, abstraction of, of living and eating, which we have to, of course, think about deeply if you want to really understand it. And then you say, okay, very good, wonderful. Now, there's an image. Hmm. What image is a symbol for that? Okay, that's what the mouth is, as it, represent, as it presents to the eye. The, the, the mouth that, rep, that presents itself to your vision is the symbol for this inner concept. For this, and I say inner, I mean to say this, this abstract concept. Okay? So <clears throat> what you do is then you could essentially you're you're building when you do that with enough things you're building a lexicon of symbols. That means you have this you have this whole dictionary of of symbols that stand for these ideas that you worked out by thinking about the world of ideas, and that lexicon is is essentially the lexicon of nevuah, because nevuah prophecy deals in visions. And a lot of what we're talking about in these last in this whole series, meaning this sub-series, let's call it about about seeing the way Hashem does, is of course, I don't know if I made this explicit, but of course seeing the way Hashem does is of course very associated with being a raya, being a seer, being a nevuah, someone who knows how to interpret visions. So if you have, if you develop a, a lexicon of external symbols that re that represent inner realities and you know how you know the connection between the externalities and the and the internal meanings then basically you developed a, a dictionary of symbols and then what that means is that then you have things that symbols have, can have meaning to you let's say for example um, let's say you say a tree represents life we see that in the Torah right we see that in the VM use that why is that oh because look a tree lasts and that tells you that something things are supposed to be lasting and things are eternal. So then, okay, then you go back and you say the tree represents that. And then the tree is a symbol for that. It's a symbol that has a clear meaning and it could serve as a mara, meaning you could have. I'm not getting into the question of whether you'll have Navua or not, which, by the way, someone suggested that maybe season three should be dedicated to the question of Navua. It's an interesting thought, just throwing it out there understanding the Vua. But what I'm just trying to tell you is that, of course, externalities and symbols have a great meaning in, in, in the Torah. Nevi'im don't talk philosophy, they talk visions, right? They talk about things they saw and the meanings of things they saw. Not exclusively, of course, but that's a big part of the Nevi'im as a big part of the Torah that's involved with mitzvahs, which is involved with items, which are symbols of things. That's what an item is. But the, the idea is that you have to first 
have a rich understanding of the inner truth of something. And then you can go back and use know then what the external thing, how it serves as a symbol. And then when that happens, you have something which is actually useful for you as a vision, meaning you can now see in your mind's eye a tree and it will mean something. If you have a dream about a tree, it will mean something, which is echad mishish and that 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 uh, symbols take on meaning when you know what they are. So of course symbols are very important, um, and by looking into the pnim of things, you actually build a, a lexicon of of external things that comport to the pnimias, and that's a step further in the path towards what we can call, let's say, prophetic vision, but that's what we're trying to, that's what we're talking about, seeing things in the eyes of Hashem, seeing things properly. So let's do, let's recap the two points that we've discussed so far in this series, and today we're going to move on to one more point to round it off. We spoke about Arts Shar Eka as meaning that man could learn to see things as God does, to see things from God's perspective. That was one to see what's good in the eyes of Hashem. That was one point. Second point, which was discussed in the last two shurim, was, I think the last two, was that we learned how to see, we learned that part of Re'i'alakis, part of seeing in God's eyes, is to see, is to take an external thing and to look into its pnim, to look for its essence. That's another derech. That means there's two ways you could learn to see in a godly way. You can just take a bird's eye view and say, what does Hashem see? What's he looking at? If, imagine I was Hashem looking down at the world, what, what would that, what would I care about? What would I think about? That's, that's in, in a nutshell, what our echo, the first meaning of our echo. What does Hashem care about? What does he look for? What does he look at? How does he see things? And then another way to do that is to start at the external and to, to as it were, have try to have x-ray vision to see something's essence. And again, when I, very clear, of course, x-ray vision. I don't mean to see its molecules and its chemicals. That's, that's completely boring. It's not relevant to um, religion. I mean, it is in some ways, maybe, but, but the, what we're talking about is to see something's essence, meaning to see what is the Ratzanella key in this thing. And remember, some things deviate from the Ratzanella key because if a human made something and he has different Ratzanella then you have to strip those out to understand why this thing is what it is. Okay, I don't want to be my on that. I want to go on to the new Nakuda. There's another third Nakuda, third point in how to sanctify the arts. What does it mean to make the arts heavenly? Right, which is what it's all about. We have to learn to make the arts heavenly, which means to <clears throat> apply Hashem's vision to arts, right? Because Hashem made Shemayim, which is Taiv, he made the arts, which is Taiv Ma'id, which is Taiv, but he gave it Livnei Adam, who are Taiv Ma'id, and they have the ability to pervert and corrupt the arets. And we have to do is try to have the re'ir kitoiv from sheshim ebrejiz and have it applied to the arets. That's what it means to sanctify the arets. So the two ways we've discussed so far is to see things as Hashem does and to see into the pnim of things. And now I want to discuss a third one. Okay? There's two lech lechas, as we've been discussing in the last few shurim. There's the lech lecha l'arat shar'ek, and then there's the second lech lecha t'avim avinu, which is to go to the akedah. And that's, of course, the purpose of that is to affect heaven on earth. Or another way to say the same thing as we've been discussing, the purpose of that is to free the earth, the aretz, from the grip of satan, which is what kiddush aretz means. Now, we mentioned that the akedah didn't, fully succeed. Proof of that is that Sarah died. Satan, who's a Malach Maves, was partially successful. Or he wasn't completely vanquished, which means that the earth was still still um, contaminated by, by Satan. So the Akeda had to be done again. Oh, and but another point, as we mentioned, that really Avram Avinu should have acquired Hamaria if the Akedah succeeded. But the Haramiri was only acquired a long time later in the days of David HaMelech, and then only when there was another Akedah. And then only when David HaMelech redid the Akedah. 
What I mean, he redid that Kedah, so we mentioned this in, in a previous year. The story goes that David HaMelech counted B'nai Yisrael, and because he counted B'nai Yisrael, there was a Negev, a Negev in the people. This is in um, number two in the source sheet. And because it was a negative in the people, David HaMelech saw people dying, and David HaMelech sacrificed himself. He offered up himself, and he said, he said, I'm the one who has sinned, who has sinned. What have these sheep done? Instead, take me. Okay, this is when he saw the Malach. And Devayamim, the Malach is described as standing between heaven and earth with his sword outstretched. And when David HaMelech offered his own life, Instead of the sheep, as in the people, the sheeple, Hashem tells the Malach, Rav, stop. Hold your hand. Okay? Um, and God comes to David and tells him to purchase, to build a Mizbeach in the Goyen of Arav, to purchase the Goyen of Arav and the Yivusi, and to build a Mizbeach there. Arav and the Yivusi, as the Medrash says, is descended of from the Chitim, the Bnei Ches, from whom Avram Avinu purchased the Maras Machpelah, and they moved to Yavos and made a deal with Avram that your descendants can't conquer Yerushalayim, which is why David had to buy from him. So, of course, we're continuing the story of the Akedah here, because David HaMelech sacrifices himself, offers himself instead of the sheep, and when he does that, and only when he does that, does the Malach, is the Malach, who's standing between heaven and earth with his outstretched um, sword with his drawn sword told stop right this reminds you of course of the Akedah where Avram is holding the Machelis the knife and the Malach calls to him and says stop and um, only after David Amal sacrifices himself is the replacement for human sacrifice accepted and David is told build him his bech and bring a carbon of an animal there so that tells us that the Akeda narrative, the Akeda story, had to be continued. Avraham Avinu's Akeda wasn't fully successful, we can call it, and it had to be picked up again by David HaMelech before the Ayar Maria could, in fact, be purchased and made into the Beis HaMikdash. Okay? So that's something we mentioned already, but... What I want to talk about today is a, a certain Nakuda in this. So it would seem that, okay, look, the Akedah wasn't done perfectly, or it didn't succeed fully, and for that reason, it has to be done again before Hara Maria could be purchased, and before the Beis HaMikdash could be inaugurated, in fact, very simple. But there's some wrinkle here, which is that this David story begins with a seemingly a very specific sin, which is that David counted the people. So the question is, and by the way, this, what I'm telling you now, is in my Sefer Eris Yaakov, page Kofiud, the first piece of, of that um, drush called Avraham the David. And of course, it's, it's called Avraham the David because David picks up where Avram leaves off, and this is the first section, it's called Avram David Aleph Akedas Yitzchak. And it, a lot of, what I'm telling you today is, is there, you can learn more if you look there, I'm telling you the points that are negated to, for our Indian. So, so the question is, the Akedah seems to need to be redone. David Amal has to get the Besamekdash, right? And therefore he has to do an Akedah again, he has to offer himself instead of the sheep. But the story of David begins with a very specific sin, which is that David counted the people. And that suggests, that would suggest to us, that the reason why the Akedah had to be redone, or the reason why David had to sacrifice himself, was not because he had to redo the Akedah per se, but because a very specific sin of counting the people, which led to a negif. So which one is it? Is it that the Akedah has to be redone, or is it that David did a certain Avera of counting the people? Now the answer is, the answer is, that the Avera of counting the people is what necessitated for the Akedah to be redone. Why? What does the Aveir of counting the people have to do with the Akedah? Well, first of all, the Pasuk Devayam says the Satan got him to count people. So, oh, here's the Satan again. We know the Satan's connection to Akedah we've been discussing. Um, but the point is 
that counting people undid or forced us to go back to, to the beginning of that Kedah, forced David to redo that Kedah. Why? Because as that Kedah ends, that Kedah ends with a bracha. The Malach blesses Avram, Harbe Arbe Ezar Echa, Aha! Now, as the Pasuk says in the very Yamim, this is in, this is the, in the source sheet number seven, that, of course, B'nai Esau can't be counted because they're like stars. So the brach of that Kedah essentially is that Kaisal can't be counted. Okay? David Amalek counts them, and by doing that, he undoes whatever the Akedah accomplished, and he has to go back and do it again. Of course, now he does it again, and now he does it the second time, and he does it right. For whatever reason, he does it differently than Avram does it, and now we can actually acquire the, the Makamah Mikdash. But the basis of it is the counting the people, because the counting the people really picks up where the Akedah left off. The Akedah leaves off with this blessing, who are uncounted. David Amal counts them, and now we have a problem, we go back to the beginning of the Akedah. And there's much more than that. You're not allowed to count B'nai Yisrael. Well, you're not, but you are, right? Take Machzah Shekel. And you count them by the Machzah Shekel, through the Machzah Shekel, through that medium. What do you do with Machzah Shekel? You buy Karbanis. So the accomplishment of the Akedah is, Yitzchak lives, and there's an Ayel Tachas B'nai, right? There's an animal brought instead of the human. The way we preserve the Karbanis, the fact that we're Mark of Karbanis, that we're being animals instead of humans, the way that's preserved is through Machzah Shekel. Everyone gives a half a coin, and that's how you buy the kabbonis. So now, not counting the people, but instead taking machza shekel and buying kabbonis, which is all about preserving the akeda. The akeda accomplished that we should have an ayel tachas benoi. People should live instead; the animal will die. Okay, I'm not going into all the depths of that, but the last few shurim give you some sense of what that's about: vanquishing the satan, and the way that's preserved is by, meaning we always, it wasn't one time, it wasn't a one-time thing that a ram was born instead of Yitzchak, we always bring, supposed to bring Karbanis instead of ourselves. That's how we preserve Akeiz Yitzchak, by giving Machzah Shekel, not being counted like stars. As, as stars are not counted, so too we are not counted, and yet we are counted with Machzah Shekel, we'll get to in a moment, but the not being counted in the normal way is what makes us star-like, and the way we're not counted is by giving Machzah Shekel instead of being counted normally, and that's what preserves Karbanis, which is the Ayat the ram instead of the person. So it seems then that preserving life, vanquishing the Satan, beating death, and um, are all connected and not being counted, all connected through the Machzah Shekel, through not being counted only by the Machzah Shekel. So what's that about? And why do I care about this? Because if we're if the second lech lecha is the ultimate, um, supposed to be the thing that brings us to the ultimate achievement and acquisition of Eretz Yisrael, then we have to understand what it is, and we have to understand what that keda accomplished, and therefore what it was supposed to accomplish, and how counting is relevant to that, so that we can know how to um, achieve that ourselves. Right, we have to basically we have to obviously it's so I'm sure that we have to interpret the messages and the Ramazim and these parashiyas if we're going to apply them today and not going to apply them to our, to our own activities so we can know how to be zeicha merit Eretz Yisrael simple as that. So I want to explain to you what that is, and like I said, I don't want to go into this by Rikas. You can look in the Sefer Yaakov if you want to understand this better because really what I want for today is to bring out the point that we need to know. For Eretz Yisrael. Klai Yisrael is not counted, right? We're not supposed to be counted because we're like stars, we're infinite, or we're innumerable, at least we should say. We're innumerable. But yeah, we are counted. Oh, provided we give the Machzah Shekel. So what's the idea? The idea is like this. The idea is that numbers, giving everyone a number, is giving them finitude, is making them finite. Finitude is a problem because we want to be infinite. We want to be eternal, remember? This time and space. We want to be infinite. Um, now, the sense of infinity, the sense of eternity that we have is by recognizing that the individual 
the sense of I, of what I am, has to be transferred from the individual to the cloth, to the nation. Okay? And I'm going to explain to you more what this means, but first I want to give you the makar. The source for this is Psukim, which we say every day, in Tehillim, that is, if you have Psukim to Zimra, this is number six. In Tehillim it says, Hashem rebuilds Yushalayim, heals the broken hearts, counts the stars, because his understanding is has no number. So he talks about a few different things. Building Yushalayim, broken-hearted people, counting the stars, and the fact that Hashem has is beyond number. And the idea over there is, the Machzah Shekel represents Shvurei Lev, because everyone gives a half coin. The giving a half coin, as well known and tested from this Pasuk, the giving a half coin is an indication that each person is a part. What does that mean, each person is a part? So what's the whole? The whole is the nation. And when we talk about this, you know, everyone thinks, oh, it's just a nice vart, you have to be part of a whole. It's No, it's, very, it's a deep philosophical point that what is the unit of existence? Where does the entity end? And the idea of Machzah Shekel, of broken heart, is that a true, a true understanding will tell you that the entity, the essence of yourself, does not end where you think it does. It's rather you as a part of something more than just one body. Okay, and you have to think about that deeply. This idea that like our sense of self is our, our individuation is is the body is is really silly, in many ways, because physically we're part of much more in the terms of how people would produce, and then of course. We're physically part of an environment, of a world. And it's this little arbitrary thing that our mind has. Maybe it's not arbitrary, maybe it's rooted in some truth. But the point of Machzah Shekel is that a deeper truth is that what you are is a part of a group, of a nation. Okay, so now, one second, so let me get you to this Pesukim. So the Pesukim, what's the point of this Pesukim? The Pesukim says, builds, Hashem builds Yushalayim and heals the brokenhearted and he counts the stars because he because he doesn't have a number. His understanding doesn't have a number. What that means is like this. The way we build Yushalayim, give the money towards Kabanis, is by recognizing that we are only each broken heart, only each apart. And that way we can be counted by Hashem because he can count the stars. He can count the heavenly things. And what that tells you is, and why can he count the heavenly things? Because he is beyond number. What that tells you is that by a person including himself and seeing himself as being a part of the Klal, he becomes heavenly. So just to bring it together briefly, because I don't care so much about the about the Moshe right now, I care more about the Nimshal, briefly. Um, B'nai Yisrael not allowed to be counted because they're like the stars. Okay, but Hashem could count the stars. So we too can be counted by Hashem. And how are we counted by Hashem? When we become heavenly, when we become in front of, in His presence. And how do we become in His presence? By, give it, by breaking our hearts. And... Um, recognizing that is that we're a part of something greater apparently being a part of that great thing brings us to heaven and that and that's what i'm going to explain in a moment and that's what burning shalim hashem that's how we build Yushalayim, which is to make heaven on earth the place of karbonis so therefore the karbonis which is the um, continuation of the akeda and the machzah shekel that supplies the karbonis and the issue to count all lead to the same thing now i want to explain to you exactly what this is why is it that being part of the cloud makes you heavenly it's very simple. It's very simple. As we've been discussing, we have to think about what Hashem sees and what human sees. And those, unfortunately, diverge. And because they diverge, there's a difference in heaven and earth. And as Yisrael, the idea of a holy land is the possibility that there doesn't have to be that divergence. Heaven and earth could meet. What is in heaven could also be on earth. Now, what does Hashem see? Hashem sees the essence, the truth, the real reality. But what does an individual see? See, here's the weird thing. I have two eyes. You have two eyes. Every individual body has its own two eyes. So we have this possibility, and we actually all do this, of seeing things from our perspective. It's very sad. All we have is our own two eyes. So, so pathetic. But really, if we would see things the way God does, we would see the cloud we would see the group because that's the reality. The individuation of body, the bodily individuation, the fact that there's all these different bodies is something that leads each of those bodies to have its own perspective and to think that reality is broken up to parts, to individuals. And that pure, that breaking up into reality to individuals leads us to see things from a selfish individual perspective. 
If you want to see what Hashem sees, here's another trick, so to speak. Think of yourself as being part of the cloud, because the cloud is the true reality. Now, what does that mean, the cloud is the true reality? Because the Gemara says, Babas, this is number eight, they're gemurid lekolashivta. Not even one shavit of Bnei Yisrael will cease to exist. That's a very important idea. And of course, the whole class won't cease to exist. That means the only thing that's permanent is the shavit, the tribe. The thing that's permanent is the nation. So if you want to see what's real, you have to see yourself as being permanent, right? And the only sense that you're permanent is as a part, as a, a part of, of something greater. So here's how it goes then. The Akedah ends with a bracha. And what that means is not just a bracha to Avram. Oh, you did such a great thing. You're going to get so much reward. It's not what it means. It means that if you want to become heavenly, the purpose of that Akedah is to bring heaven to earth. And how do you become heavenly? Having a heavenly nation. How do you have a, heaven, a heavenly nation, Avram? Your children will be like stars. How will they be like stars? Won't they be individuals? No. They're going to have to remember not to count themselves like stars. Can't be counted here on earth. They have to bring themselves up to heaven and not be individuals. Rather be part of something eternal, which is the people. And that's going to preserve the Akedah. Therefore, when David counted them, the Akedah had to be redone. The accomplishment of the Akedah was disturbed was and had to be had to be um had to be strengthened or or had to be um basically redone so that so that we can get the blessing of the arcade individuals come and go it's the cloud which is in front of god it's the cloud that god sees it's the cloud which is permanent and therefore to be to see things from God's perspective, to see things from a heavenly perspective, you have to see not the myriad details, but rather the cloud. Same way, it basically means like this. Same way, let's say you have a person who's excessively focused on detail, right? And he's not able to see the forest for the trees, meaning let's say he sees an animal and he just doesn't, I mean, it's like a sort of an autistic kind of thing maybe, not that I'm an expert on that. But he sees the, let's say he sees an animal. He doesn't understand a a a. A totality of an animal because he just sees a bunch of details, a bunch of bunch of pratim. And that person is, is literally missing the ability to see things properly, to see what things are. We believe that he really doesn't know what things are, right? If I see a person and I don't understand that there's a total totality of a person, and I see, okay, there's this part and that part, that part, then there's something lucky, something wrong with my seeing. Similarly, if we see a person, but we don't see the totality of the nation, which is the truest reality. Because every person of the nation is only one instance of that, but the only eternal thing is the nation as a whole. Then we're missing something in our vision. We're seeing things from a human perspective instead of the godly perspective. Now, so basically by thinking of the klal, a person is cleaving to eternity. What is your sense of self? What is your, what is your ani? What is your anoichis? What is your eyeness? What's you? What are you? And I want you to understand, it's not enough. Everyone knows that, okay, yeah, it's a good idea to think about the cloud. No, it's not that. It's that your sense of self, your sense of ani, what you, your sense of what's I, can be transferred to the cloud. Same way, same way every individual cares about his own bank account and his own family and his own success. You can and you must, if you want to get to this level of, of arek, of seeing things the way Hashem does, you have to transfer those interests and transfer those cures to the claw level. Literally, you could think about the same way. It's so natural to think about, okay, how am I doing financially? How am I doing emotionally? How am I doing socially, et cetera, et cetera. You have to think about that on a national level. You have to think, how are we, the people, doing in terms of security, in terms of health, in terms of happiness, in terms of accomplishment, in terms of spiritual growth? You have to transfer your sense of self to the nation. It's possible to do it. And a good place to do it, actually, a good place to do it is in Shemana Esrei. You can think about Shemana Esrei because as is well known in Shemana Esrei, we talk about the tzibur. All the brachas are said in the plural. We're not talking about ourselves. So when you stand in front of Hashem, what do you talk about? You, talk, you don't talk about yourself. You stand in front of Hashem, you talk about the nation. And when you do that, you could think, you know, sometimes people have a need to talk about themselves in, in, in prayer. And when you, but, but the fact is that the standard 
Nusach of Tefillah of Shmanesa is for the Tzibor, and only prayers for the Tzibor get answered. And that's a time where you could take that sense of self and the need to talk about, think about yourself and say, I am thinking about myself because this is what I am. Okay? And that's when you... Um, that's when you're 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 doing this heavenly thing of seeing the essence of what you are from God's perspective, which is not your self as an individual, it's you as part of something permanent. Now, of course, has what does that have to do with Eretz Yisrael? Because of course Eretz Yisrael is the place for us to view ourselves as a nation. It's much more difficult than Gullus, whenever when it's each man for himself, it's much more difficult for us to think of things on a national level. When we can operate in unison as a nation, that's when we can think about things on a national level and in a meaningful way, right? It's easy for me to sit here and think about the nation, but what do I have to do with the nation? How am I contributing to the nation as a whole? So, But the more we bring the nation together, the more the nation is doing something together, the more every individual can comfortably think about the nation. And of course, Klaisol, of all the nations, is uniquely able to do this because of our past and because of our connection, because of our Torah. And that's what what our soul offers in, in terms of this kind of um, by the way, according to the Rambam, and this is, I referred to, if you're interested in this, look at season one, episode 49, when I was still talking about various topics of Ashkafa, I happened to give a few shrooms about Etzisol. And season one, episode 49 is called Etzisol according to the Rambam. And I show that the whole, my love Etzisol according to the Rambam is the fact that we live there together with fellow Jews. That is what makes Etzisol special, according to the Rambam. Um, and that fits right into this point that in order for us to recognize ourselves as, as part of a tzibur, as part of a klal, we have to have our own land, our own hanhaga of a nation. And that's what Edsol can afford us. Okay, what does this have to do with the um, Akeda and Nisayan specifically? It's, not, it's not, not for now. But the point is, we don't have to go into that. The point is, this is a way to cleave to holiness. Because to think about what's Hashem doing. Because Hashem does things on the klal level. The prat, the individual, in other words, when you think about things from an individual level, that's when you start to see things differently than Hashem does because that's when you start to think about your personal interests, which are, more often than not, not interesting to Hashem. Okay? So you have to think about the cloud. That's it. So this is another way of seeing things in a higher level. So what we did is like this. We learned three ideas that all really bring to the same place. The same place is to sanctify the earth and to make the earth heavenly. And these are the three ways. We have to think about what is. How do we think about what is? How do we see what is? The first thing is to see as Hashem does and to think about what is Hashem seeing. Second one is to see things not on the surface, but to look into their essence. And the third thing is to see the klal and not the prat. And us as individual, you know, the individual, you yourself is what you see most more than anything else, right? So you have to think of yourself. You have to realize that you're there's a little bit of a trick there, it's an optical illusion that yourself is what you the most real thing. Really, you're part of a, a clown. And here's something very important, and you should know this. Anytime that you do one of these things, one of these midas, either you walk and you start thinking, how does Hashem see this? Or you take something, you say, I'm going to use this as an opportunity to see the pnim. Or you start really trying to transfer your sense of self to the clown more than the product. Anytime you do this, you are redeeming the world. You're being Isaac in true gul in a literal sense, you are redeeming the earth from the Satan. And you're being Mikadash the earth the earth. You're being Mikadash the earth and you're making it heavy heavenly. You are literally simply making Gaul on the earth. Anytime you do these things. Because it's a process. And redemption of the earth and the Satan means people doing this. People living with this. It's it's in our minds. And the Gu'ula, as it's called, will happen when there's a critical mass of people doing this. And it becomes something that we think about so much and we live with. And we can start putting the practice and we'll see where it gets us. And I'm sure that the, that the achievements that we can get from this are beyond what we can even imagine. It's not enough, you know, for an individual to do this would be so great. But imagine if you have a Tzibu doing this. Imagine if you have people talking to each other about this and learning about it, and thinking about it together, and, and encouraging each other. Um, that's when we get the true gula. But any time you do it as an individual, in any place, in any, of course, as we've been discussing, you can do this in Chutzlats also. 
What you're doing is you are promoting and furthering Geula. You are doing Geula. You are not just promoting Geula, you are doing Geula because you're redeeming the earth from its Tumah, from the Satan, and bringing it to Kedusha. And that's how, little by little, the earth becomes Kaddish. Star in Chutzlaretz, of course, get inspired and then you'll want to come to Etzel where we can do it, Bishlemus. Trust me, you'll want to go to Etzel. If you really start doing this in Chutzlaretz, you'll, you'll understand more why this can happen even better in, in Etzel as a Tzibor. All the things we're discussing, we spoke about Bahim Shemaya and how it affects Areka and seeing to the Plim, etc. All these things, you do them a little bit in Chutzlaretz. You'll see why you want to, want to do them in, in Etzel even more. And that's how we will eventually accomplish what is promised, what has been promised to Avraham Avinu, which is to put the Shemayim, to bring Shemayim down to earth. I want to end with one diak. Um, the parasha, back to Vahim Shemayim, which you spoke about. And this is the parasha, if there's any parasha in the Torah that tells us what's special about Eretz this is it. And this is in, in Parashat Eka, where it says, the land that you're coming to is not like Eretz Mitzrayim. And there's a very interesting thing. It's not like Eretz Mitzrayim. Why? Because Mitzrayim has a river and the land you're coming to depends on rain. And there's an interesting diak over there where it says, It keeps on repeating the word Eretz. It keeps on repeating the word Eretz in these three psukim. In these three psukim, which is the introduction to Vahim Shemoy, it says the word Eretz one, two, three, four, five times. There's Eretz Mitzrayim, and the Eretz you're coming to is different. Of course, it keeps on repeating the word Eretz. But then, why is Eretz so all different? Because Lemetar HaShamayim Tishtemayim. The Eretz that you're coming to has a connection to the heaven. And since it has a connection to the heaven, V'hayim Shamayim Tishtemayim And if you don't listen, V'atza Asa Shamayim. Right? And if you do listen, then L'man Yirbu Yimeichem Yimeifenichem Al Ho'adama Asher Nishba Adonoi L'avayseichem L'aseis Lahem that is the bracha of Eretz Yisrael. That is the accomplishment of Eretz Yisrael to bring the Shemayim down to the Eretz. I encourage you, whenever you say Bahayim Shemaya, now you can think about this. This is what we have to do. This is what I've learned from studying the Surgah of Eretz Yisrael, Rav, for a long time thinking about it, turning it over, and, and analyzing it from every angle. This is the conclusion. We have to work to be zeicheh, to the man yirbu yemeichem yemeivenechem ala adamo, ki meha shamayim al ha'oretz, to make the earth, starting with Eretz Yisrael, to sanctify it with the Kedusha of shamayim. Say goodbye to you until season three. I hope you join me for that. I have no doubt that it will be very interesting. Meanwhile, stay tuned for details on the Siam Season 2. I will send out a podcast and try to communicate as best as I can with everyone the details of the Siam.